This is par for the course, where two totally average golfers discuss the ups and downs of the golf world and their own golf games. We'll share stories, insights, and our thoughts and opinions, which may or may not be well-informed. Through the good and the bad, though, everything here is par for the course. Welcome in, all you birdie chasers, you weekend warriors, you golf rage monsters, and even you non-golf enthusiasts. This is another episode of Par for the Course. I am your host, John Webb, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Andy Proctor. What's going on, my friend? What up, what up? You excited to talk about some golf today? <laughs> Very excited Very to talk excited. about golf today. We just had a try at this intro, and we had to re-record. Because <laughs> so I have talking know. problems. <laughs> You, all of you listeners should see our setup. We are totally improving on the recording side of things. Andy has two new microphones that we're using yes. this week in our recording studio, quote-unquote. Yes. I.e. our bedroom with a futon in it. That's right. Andy's on the little futon. I'm on a pretty much a stool. Yep. We're up and up and onwards. I love it's very it. Very official. Well, let's begin, Andy, today with our favorite segment, PGA Tour. How did you score? All right, ladies and gentlemen, last week we had the Players' Championship, and obviously, Andy, I know that you watched at least quite a bit of the tournament, correct? You know, I actually only got to watch just a little bit of it, because really? we, yeah, we were in Jackson Hole, That's right. Wyoming this weekend, and we were skiing, mm-hmm. slash snowboarding for a lot of it, so I was kind of keeping tabs on it, but um, yeah, I mostly had to keep up with it just on the app. Yeah. Um, it was an awesome tournament, I gotta say. Was it? it I mean, it players showed up as it always does. The tournament's yeah. phenomenal. The venue's incredible. 17 Island Green is so iconic. It was so yeah. great to watch. I was bummed I couldn't watch more of it. As I said last week, should be a fifth major. Again, that's neither here nor there. So for his top five, his winner was John Rahm, which unfortunately he did not play the entire tournament. Yeah, Pulled out because he was sick. Yeah, really unfortunate. No due to flu illness. game for John Rom. It's too bad. No flu game for him. Uh, but Andy picked John Rom to win. Max Homa, JT, Sung J M, and Victor Hovland. Some pretty good picks. Um, and I had uh, Justin Thomas winning, and Scotty Scheffler, Tony Finau, Sahit Dagala, and Colin Morikawa in my top five. <laughs> Did you see? It was, I felt bad because I love the guy, but did you see how Sahith? finish the weekend i actually did not what happened uh i don't remember if it was on if he made it to the weekend and then crumbled uh, or if he crumbled oh on on friday not good hearing but crumble yeah it was bad Ooh, it was bad that, that's not good well uh top five for this week was scotty scheffler's our winner i gotta say uh i texted you guys uh during sunday's round and he was the only word i could use was rolling i mean he was just yeah dominating the field he was locked in locked in um he did have some mistakes at first i was like okay he's gonna have a like a basically a mistake-free round he had a few holes where things didn't go as well as he had hoped Mm. but the dude just was absolutely locked in mentally um i don't know how like i'm obviously a huge fan of scotty scheffler but um i don't know how i feel about him just as a as a uh, top level golfer for some reason. Like he just seems like such a nice guy. He kind of reminds me of Spieth in a way. I guess what I'm trying to say is he surprises me that he's so good. 
Well, what's wrong with nice guys? Nothing's wrong with nice guys. We I can't just, all be jerks like you, John. I'm, I'm just saying, like, if I were to pick someone out in a crowd as far as a number one golfer in the world, Scotty Scheffler's not the one I would pick. Does it really surprise you, though, that in a game like golf that requires just an insane and almost a boring amount of concentration, <laughs> that it's <laughs> like a true. really nice guy who's really good at it? It's true. Honestly, though, he's, again, he's a lot like Spieth where I want to be his best friend. So, Yeah, he's a um, cool guy. So, second place was Terrell Hatton, tie for third was Victor Hovland, Tom Hoagie, and then in fifth place was Hideki Matsuyama. So, Andy... So I, I got a point with Andy Terrell Hatton. Andy got a Hatton. point. My man! No, 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 you got a point with Victor Hovland. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Uh, Terrell Hovland. Hatton was the week before. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I got a point for Scotty Scheffler. So, right now, the grand total, I'm at four, Andy's at three for our picks. Not bad. Not bad. It's a nice Keeping little tight it. race. Keeping it close. Okay. This upcoming week is the Valspar Championship, and we've got our the top what? fives. Exactly. Um, so, Andy, do you want to start with who you think the winner is going to be? Sure thing. Um, I feel like I'm stealing this from you. Okay. We talked about this before. You were saying earlier that Sam Burns is set to three-peat. Correct. He has won the last two years of the Valspar. Mm. Uh, I am going to go ahead and say I'm going to go on the side of history again. Okay. Like I did last week and say that he's going to three-peat. I'm going to grab my pen and scribble out my number one now. <laughs> I also think hey, Sam Burns is going to win. We can, we can pick. <clears throat> yeah, we can the pick same. No, we can It's be just not as fun. We can be symbiotic partners <laughs> for just, one week. It's just not as fun. No, I also think he's going to win. Um, I think anyone who can has a chance to three-peat anywhere clearly shows that you know the course well. You play. It's in Florida right. again. So you play well. Uh, you know the conditions. Like You're very familiar with it, which gives you an advantage at any tournament. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. Okay, who are your? Let's have you go through your second. You just pick. want to go like one through five. Sure. Yeah, okay. let's go one through five. So, uh, like I said, Sam Burns picking him to three peat. Um, other than that, I am going to again go with my man Terrell Hatton. Okay, and he's a fan. He's rolling. He's rolling. Hey, he's a great, great player. Yeah, I'm gonna keep picking him. Well, I guess last week he let me down, but he was eh, okay. not too far off. So I'm gonna pick him again. Uh, I'm gonna go with Jason Day. Interesting. Okay. Okay. I like it. Um, Patrick Cantley. Okay. Uh, and Hideki. Hideki. Yeah. Okay. Those are my guys this week. All right. Okay, my top five, obviously, like I said, Sam Burns, I think, is going to win it all. But I also have, for two through five, Keegan Bradley, Ooh. who is in the top ten in FedEx Cup points right now. He's playing really well. Okay. Uh, K.H. Lee. I think he's mm. playing very good golf as of late, and I just kind of have a feeling he's going to break through this week and at least have a top five. Nice. Um, and I know this is kind of another boring take, but I'm going to have JT and Jordan Spieth on my top five. Gosh, you're such a fanboy. I know. I know. Look, they are just classic winners who know exactly how to win a golf tournament. Yeah, I get you. So I'm excited. It should be fun. Uh, again, the Valspar is obviously not as a not as a – wow, I can't talk – not as popular of a tournament through the PGA Tour schedule. Right. Um, but still, I mean, you've got some big names that are showing up like Spieth and JT. Um, I still will probably watch quite a bit of it. And Yeah, if there's Lachuzan. golf on, I'll watch it for sure. Exactly. So, yeah. All right. So I did want to um, segue into something that I saw on Twitter mm. that I have not actually run it by you. I wanted to get your first your take on this. Okay. So there was a tweet, and this has to do with this upcoming tournament. So it says, Sam Burns is going for a three-peat this week at the Valspar Championship. Mm. 
Since 1995, there have been 10 instances of a player winning a third or fourth consecutive time in the same PGA Tour event. So you've got Steve Stricker at the John Deere Classic, mm. Stuart Appleby at Maui, and then... I'm sorry. Yeah. I just, I, I just had a quick flashback to like going to an Applebee's <laughs> That's for dinner. I actually hi, do I'm know. Your, hi, I'm your server, Stuart. <laughs> I actually welcome do, to Applebee's. I do know who Stuart Appleby is, but I don't know what he looks like. I know the name. I I'm don't just know imagining like, like the most bland waiter. Yeah, he, <laughs> it kind of sounds like it. And then you have Tiger Woods, obviously. But here's the crazy part: Tiger's done it eight different times. What? So let that sink in for a minute. Meaning, the three former players, Sam Burns, Steve Stricker, Stuart Appleby, have done it once. A three-peat one time. Mm. Tiger's done it eight times. So what I wanted to talk about with you today is an article that I read titled, it's on Bleacher Report, and it's titled, um, The PGA Tour Has a Winning Problem. Now, I want to tell you this with a caveat. that This was written back in 2014, so it's pretty much a 10-year-old article. Yeah, no, I, I read the article too. Right, but I think that the principles do apply. And basically, the synopsis of the article was, um, because Tiger was so dominant during his, you know, his reign as the number one golfer in the world, uh, he increased popularity for golf tremendously, right. right? Since then, we have not had another Tiger Woods. Yeah. Well, it, it wasn't even the argument about Tiger, though. It was the argument that, that you know, there are certain time, certain time periods in golf mm-hmm. where they were without a Tiger mm-hmm. or a Ben Hogan or an Arnold Palmer or Jack Nicholas or Jack Nicholas, mm-hmm. right? Like those, like those guys were so exciting and good for the game of golf mm-hmm. because they just won all the time. Yeah, there was consistent winning. Right. So the idea is this, yeah, you're right. So this era that we're in now, actually the last 10 years, basically, we haven't had a consistent winner. Now, right. I think it's an interesting topic because this is something I've always thought about with golf. I am a golfer. Like I, I should say I like to golf, right? And I enjoy watching the sport. But the non-golf enthusiasts who may not know anything about the sport, there really is no reason right now for them to tune in. Right. You know, there isn't anyone that attracts the non-golf viewer yeah like there was back in the early 2000s the 90s the 80s i mean right. you know since golf started like you, you look at the effect that like michael jordan had on basketball exactly like everyone wanted to play basketball mm-hmm. because of michael yeah everyone wanted to golf because of tiger mm-hmm. exactly. nowadays kids are like who do i who do i yeah like who who's I my to? idol um and it's interesting because i think tiger did golf a, a really good thing because now we have legitimate um, athletic stars right. um, that are playing golf now. Mm-hmm. And there are more of them than there were back in, you know, the 20th century. Right. And so now, because of that and this um, surge in players that just have so much talent, I don't know that we'll ever see or have a Tiger, a Jack, an Arnie, a Ben Hogan ever again. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see your take on that. Uh, they actually touch on that in the article. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they make the point that, you know, every player – uh, or you know, every generation of players has said, "Well, you know, I'm playing in the most talented generation thus far. Sure. So how is anyone ever going to step away and you know separate themselves from the field?" But if they said that back in Ben Hogan's day, uh, if they said that back in Jack Nicklaus's day, they said that in Tiger's day, um, you know, like if the whole field, you know, if the whole field 
as a whole is improving and getting stronger, then I feel like that potential for a star to break away is still there, right? You think so? I think so. Meaning, do you th- here's the here's the question I want to pose. Will there be another tiger-like player? And I'm not saying a Tiger Woods, but someone who is at least consistently dominant for a long like period it, of like time. in the way that we look at LeBron or the way that we look at Michael. Yeah. And what they do for basketball. Yeah. I do. You think so? Yeah. I, I think it's inevitable. I think mm-hmm. as 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 people continue to push themselves harder, faster, stronger mm-hmm. uh, to to compete more um, as technology continues to advance. Now, you know, that, that depends on if if the um, the game of golf continues to progress the way it has. I mean, over the sure. last 40 years, we've been pushing, you know, hitting hitting farther, spinning more on the greens, spinning less off the tee, and, and just we've been trying to maximize the game, right, and mm-hmm. make it way more entertaining, hitting longer, hitting better shots, stuff like that. Um, as long as, you know, the PGA and live continue to push that kind of golf yes i think that will continue um and i think there was an article you mentioned that we might want to talk about next week about um bifurcation yeah um which essentially which essentially means like making golf harder for the pros Mm -hmm. uh, so that it's you know more on par with what we as regular everyday golfers would experience Mm -hmm. um anyway i i think yes okay i am I wish I had a solid take on this. I am undecided because I like what you were saying that um, with the amount of how many players are coming through as legitimate professional golfers, like it's an inevitability that there will be at least someone who breaks through. Mm -hmm. I do not think that we will ever have someone as dominant as Tiger ever again. That I I am confident in. Yeah. I don't see that It was interesting because you look at his – like that spell mm-hmm. of like 1997 to what was it 2008 sure. or so yeah he was so dominant then and if he had continued at that pace and not had all of his you know personal problems i mean that for sh- for sure would be untouchable mm-hmm. um but you look as far as like total you know pga tour wins though he still isn't the highest but i think the the pace at which he won it's yeah it's i don't think it can ever be matched yeah. So I think the closest thing we've had is Rory McIlroy, and he's probably my top three favorite players. Yeah. Um, and I feel like Rory has the talent uh, and swing, golf swing, to be as dominant or close to the dominance of Tiger. I think it comes down to two things. Tiger, I think, and this is you know maybe a conversation for another day, but I think Tiger was so dominant for two reasons. Number one, I guess three reasons. Number one is his, obviously his skill set. He mm-hmm. was incredible. He was athletic, powerful, strength. Two was his mentality. Mm-hmm. We've learned through the Tiger uh, HBO documentary that his dad basically trained him to be this mental force. Right. But three, I, I think the field back then was not what it is today. Mm-hmm. Now, do I think Tiger would win today if he were healthy? Absolutely. But I do not think if Tiger of – of 19, you know, 95 to 2005 in his prime today would win as much today as he did back in his prime. Yeah, that's fair. Um, that's not to say that I think he wouldn't still be dominant, but I guess the point is that with this article is, is this a problem for the PGA tour? Here's why I say no. Um, yes, it's true that a guy like Tiger, um, a guy like Jack Nicholas drives up your ratings. Mm-hmm. That is, that is true. 
Um, I don't think the game of golf is going anywhere. Like, I don't worry about that. Sure. Right? Me neither. Um, and I don't think it's as fair to say, you know, hey, gosh, there's, there's not been one breakthrough player, right? In the sense that, um, or, or they, they say, does the PGA Tour have a winning problem? No, they're the, the kind of the, the idea of the article is that it, there needs to be a more consistent winner, mm-hmm. which is not the same as you'd see in, say, the NBA or the NFL, where you have a collection of five guys or 11 guys who all together as a force combine to make a really dominant team. Mm-hmm. When you are playing individual sports one-on-one or one, you know, every man for himself, it is way harder to win consistently. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'd be interested to see with the live team format, Yeah, if you have one or two teams of golfers that emerges as a consistent winner sure. year in and year out because they, it's a collection of talent. Mm-hmm. And they're, yes, playing individually as golfers, but they're competing as a team. Yeah. And so you can't quite look at, the, you know, having a winning problem in the PGA the same way you'd have a winning problem in the NBA. Sure. Yeah. You know I mean, like, because it's a team format versus individual. Yeah. 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 yeah I think uh, I would agree with, with that. I think, um, I actually, I think it comes down to what, what is the goal of the PGA tour, right? Like what is it that they're wanting to accomplish? Obviously popularity, popularity is important. We want ratings to go up. I agree. I agree with you. Golf's not going anywhere. There's too much, um, fanaticism there's too much history there's too much tradition behind golf as a sport um but i think uh you as the pga tour i don't think you can get to what it once was as far as popularity goes without someone consistently winning now i guess the point is i think the rate at which popularity goes up obviously helps when you have something like tiger but i do think that the pga tour will continue to get more and more popular as a sport but just at a much slower rate which i don't think is an yeah. issue well i think it's interesting that in the article they talk about golf kind of starting to die yeah that was in weird 2014 which may be from i think they were saying at the the masters tournament in 2014 mm-hmm. had the lowest ratings that it had had since like 1950 yeah in the 50s or something like that or mm-hmm. 1940 something which is crazy that was pretty wild but then you look at how popular golf became during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, you know, you were inside your house seeing nobody for months and months and months, Mm -hmm. and then just scrambling, trying, clawing to get a tee time. Yep. Because everyone was flooding to Mm -hmm. the golf course. And it's still that way. I went tonight to golf the round Mm -hmm. here in Salt Lake. Um, and it was, I mean, you're waiting at every bay mm-hmm. for, and someone's only halfway through their bucket of a hundred balls. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I think it's an interesting conversation to have. Um, I do think, do I wish there were another tiger? Obviously I think everyone wishes tiger were where he was at, or at least someone. Don't worry. I'll get there. Or yeah. Like, and I think part of the reason you, you see the effect that tiger had when you watch Charlie Woods. Ooh. You know, like that's a whole podcast in and of itself. There was a tournament that he and Tiger were in last year. I can't remember which tournament, but it had better ratings than like the PGA Tour tournament that had happened that week. Right. And that's because you're watching Tiger's flesh and blood, who's actually phenomenal at golf at right. 13 and 14 years old, phenomenal swing, play well in this tournament. Like, 
could he be the next Tiger? His swing is so good that it makes me angry. It, me too. When like, I watch I've him, I've never like, been this mad at a twelve-year-old before. Be like, that's that's just not fair. <laughs> you know, the amount of money and time that you and I have spent on this stupid sport, <laughs> and to just have this kid have just <laughs> one of the greatest players of all time coaching him, I think is just yeah. Anyway, so it's interesting, but. Um, yeah, I don't think it's a, as big of a problem as people may think because popularity has still increased over time. So, yeah. so um, what we wanted to talk about next was uh, something that happened uh, this past last twenty four hours was JJ Watt. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, went and played at golf out in Arizona with his parents and posted on Twitter a video where he actually hit a hole in one. So pretty awesome for Congrats. him. Congratulations to JJ Watt. However. He said in the caption, does it count if the hole-in-one was on a par-3 on a par-3 course, an executive course? So, why don't you start? Do you think his hole-in-one should, quote-unquote, count? It, short answer, yes. Okay. I have stipulations. Okay. I can't wait to hear them. Depending on the hole, if it's like a 60-yard okay. par-3 you know, tee boxes level with the fairway, I guess the, you know, the the grass leading up to the green, and the green is, you know, 60 yards wide, and there Mm -hmm. are no bunkers. If it's that type of par three course, uh, it's still really cool. I would maybe more equivocate that to, like, chipping in or or pitching in from, like, 40, 50 yards, right? A good distance away, for sure. However, some of these courses, and I, I was actually looking on the video trying to see if I could see which course it was because he lives down there in Arizona, and I've played a few uh, yeah. par three courses down there when I was living there, and there there were some holes that were two hundred yards mm-hmm. with water and this and uh, although I think some of the stipulations that you get in this argument is not only what what is the quality of the hole but the number of attempts mm-hmm. that you get, which I think is a silly argument mm-hmm. because I'm like okay. I get that you only have four par threes per 18. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me that <clears throat> if you went to go play a, a par three 18-hole course, that it'd be easy for you to get a, get a hole-in-one? Not at all. Not, not that what you're, what you're oh. saying. But not <laughs> what like, you're saying, but just uh, people that have that argument that are saying, oh, like it doesn't count because he had 18 shots at it. I'm like, okay, put your money where your mouth is, <laughs> you 24 handicap. Yeah. That has- and you've seen those videos on YouTube where like, they bring in someone like Justin Thomas to hit yeah. 500 balls, and he can't yeah. get a hole in one. Yeah, they're sitting there at like and it's, they're not even that long of a par three. Mm-hmm. It's like 140 yards. It's like an, totally it's like an doable. easy gap wedge for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they hit 400 balls, and they're there for nine hours. And they can't do and it. And their hands start to bleed, and they can't do it. <laughs> so I'm like, yes, that's impressive. Anytime you can hit a ball once from the tee, as long as he didn't have any gimmies or you know. Mulligans, if he hit the ball and it went in the hole from more than 100 yards away, mm-hmm. in my mind, that counts. Hole in one. Congratulations, JJ. You're a champion. Yeah. Okay. So you're saying it's a yes with a few stipulations. Okay. So my question then is what would be like the threshold of yardage for you? 100. 100 yards. Because you realistically, I mean, look at Pebble Beach, mm-hmm. one of the most famous par threes in the world. Mm hmm. Plays like what, like 105 yards downhill. Into I don't the wind. actually know what the yardage so is. It's short. Work. It's not that long. Yeah. Um. I was. I was actually since I bummed my shoulder, and I I all can hit are short wedges. I was doing that on the TrackMan tonight, or the the Top Tracer tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just virtual par threes, 
and it was playing like 87 yards downhill. Really? Yeah, well, it was playing like 105, but it was essentially you were trying to hit it 80, 85 yards to get it to land where you wanted it to. So in my mind, like yeah. if that one of the most famous, it's 106 yards. Yeah. Boom. Mm. Okay. If that, if that, like, would you, you would count that? Absolutely. Like, I mean, you're gonna say, oh, like I, I hole in one the the par three, uh, you know, at Pebble Beach. Like, oh, it was only 106 yards. It doesn't count. I played at Pebble and I hit the <laughs> ball in the hole. But it didn't count. You'd lose your freaking mind. 100%. You'd lose your mind. So, okay. I I go back and forth on this. Here's my only issue with it. Obviously, hitting the ball one time and it going in the hole, you're going to call that a hole-in-one regardless. Right. Um, but here's my thing. If Typically, when you hit a hole-in-one, what I've heard at least, I've never hit one. Have you hit one? Nope. Oh, that's my life goal. Um, my wife, who started <laughs> golfing like – Three years ago, almost had one her first season. That's annoying. She hit the stick. She did? She did. You were there. I was? We were at um, Murray Parkway. That's right. I totally and forgot. I, I, Shout I, out to I, Sarah. I half wanted to like tackle her for like congratulations, and I half wanted to tackle her <laughs> out of frustration. to take out my frustration. <laughs> I would have been mad. Total. I'm going to be honest. Total decleater. Shout out to Sarah, but I would have been so mad. Yeah. Anyway, um... When you, from what I've heard, when you hit a hole in one at a golf course, you like get in the newspaper. They'll frame the golf ball. Like to me, if I hit a hole in one on a par three, me personally, mm. I would not count it. In the sense that if someone were to later on ask me, "Hey, John, have you hit a hole in one?" I'd be like, "Not really." I'd say maybe yes, but with the caveat, it was at an executive course. See, for me, it's all about the skill required for that hole to hit it in the hole. Like if you yeah. if you're on a par three course and it's a, like a hundred and sixty yard par three mm-hmm. and there's water and there are bunkers around it, dude. The other thing is, yeah, and again I go down to like logistics. An executive course you cannot post for your handicap. I, I found out. So again, officially in the rules of golf, that doesn't count. If we're looking at the official rules, in the sense of like posting mm. scores for your handicap. So you never hit an official exactly. hole-in-one. So, like, is it a hole-in-one as counted as a hole-in-one? Yeah, but it's not officially counted as one. Right. So, like, if a PGA Tour player were to go play on the executive course and they have the scorecard come up on the on the uh, TV, it's going to say one, but that's not an official course that you can post a score. Right. I get you. So that, that would be a more compelling argument, I mm-hmm. think, than all the arguments where it's like, oh, well, you get 18 shots at it. I'm like, okay. No, see, I I'd say you can count it, but officially, it's not a legitimate hole in one. As a sixteen handicap, I would count it one million times. <laughs> Here, let me real quick. I would quick. brag about it. I've got a story for you, real fast. So my brother and I went and played at the executive course, local course called McRiley, mm. and um, it's an okay par three course. It's okay. Not sure if I'd recommend it. Shout out to McRiley. Um, so <laughs> we don't know if we recommend you guys. Shout, <laughs> out. shout out to you. Please guys. sponsor us. So um, my brother and I went and played, and we were on the fourth par three hole. And uh, his buddy was ahead and putting on the green, and my brother, to be funny, just teed off, okay, and mm-hmm. hit it at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the greens or the groundskeeper had not filled in the previous day's hole yet. Oh. So the flag's in one hole, but there's another hole on the green that didn't have a flag in it, and mm. my brother's ball rolled into that. He hole. hit a hole in one in the wrong hole. So. Do we that, count that? No. <laughs> See that I don't count. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, nope. shout out to my brother Phil. He was stoked. I well, here's the other thing though. There was a golf bag on the green 
and we didn't see it go in, but his buddy told us it went in. So we're not like 100% sure it really happened, but the idea is, uh, would you still count that? See, that one I don't. Like it's e- such an interesting like even, conversation. I, like I'd still back the whole you know par three course hole in one idea. Yeah, I. But the, I f- wouldn't the fact either. is, I mean, even if he wasn't aiming for the pin, right? Even if he's just aiming to get on the green, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, but that's not the hole. Exactly, that's not your target. Mm-hmm. But it was just so funny to be on the tee box, and I like, freaked that out. Was, like, obviously, that's more happenstance. Yeah, I freaked out. I was stoked, but I was like, sorry, brother, that that doesn't count. Yeah, that doesn't <laughs> he count. was. That's yeah. <laughs> That one's a no-go in my book. Anyway, shout-out to J.J. Watt. Congratulations. Hopefully one day we'll get a hole-in-one. Yeah. <laughs> one day. Okay. Our last segment that we want to go through is another one of our favorites titled The Ups and Downs. Cue music. <laughs> okay, Andy. I think you should start. I think you've got some stuff you got to get off your chest as far as, again, just to recap, the ups and downs for this segment is how have our practice rounds, our actual golf rounds gone? Where are we at? Talk to me about today. So uh, those of you that have listened to the first few episodes uh, will know this, and those of you that haven't, I'll give you a quick update. I think that I tore the labrum in my left shoulder, Such a uh, which I'm a, I'm a righty, so it's my lead shoulder, my lead arm, mm-hmm. and... Every time I take a divot, it's just sharp pain just in the back of my shoulder. Knives in your shoulder. Yeah. And uh, so I've been rehabbing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, those of you that have been listening also know that I'm a physical therapist. So He's a doctor. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Thank you. Dr. Proctor is my name. Dr. Proctor. Physical therapy is my game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been rehabbing it, and I have been making good progress with my rehab, with uh, my range of motion and stability and strength and things like that. But the most frustrating thing is that as much progress as I make with, you know, rehab, uh, swinging a golf club still mm-hmm. just kills. Like I had a, that's so why I went to the range tonight. Um, and honestly, for the first like 20 or 30 balls, it did feel better. Still somewhat painful. A little uncomfortable. Sure. Right, a little uncomfortable. Yeah. But as I went on, um, it it certainly got back to the way it was, mm. and then I actually had I had one shot tonight that like dropped me to my knees. I uh, just did not feel good. Oh my and, gosh! Uh, it's it's I feel like now tonight I've I can kind of feel the shoulder a little more. So, um, yeah, kind of frustrating. It's it's hard to be injured. Um, yeah, injuries that affect your golf swing. Yeah, especially. yeah, like uh, injuries that affect your lifestyle mm-hmm. are tough. Yeah. Um, and in a way, I, I guess I'm kind of grateful uh, because it allows me to, you know, empathize with my patients better. Sure. Empathize, sympathize. Empathize. Empathize. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, allows me to empathize a little better, mm-hmm. uh, but it still sucks. So. Okay. So besides that, um, what have you been working on with that in the back so of your mind? So with with that limitation, I've actually been spending a lot of time, as much as is possible, with all the snow we've been getting. Yeah. Um, when the greens are clear, I've been working a lot on chipping and putting. How's that going? Uh, it's going well. Um, I have started to try, uh, t- to tease out aim point putting. Interesting. Um, tell the I, listeners more about this. So, so you can't though. What do I you don't mean? know if you know. So aim point putting for those of you that aren't familiar is a very specific and trademarked or copywritten, uh, like course. For putting, it's a very specific strategy where you have to pay money 
to go take this course and learn from like an Aimpoint certified instructor. What? And they teach you the specific. Yeah. So if you try to like like other podcasts that are uh, really popular golf podcasts like The Sweet Spot or like Chasing Scratch, like they'll bring up the fact that they've taken uh, Aimpoint uh, putting classes or from an Aimpoint instructor, but it's like. So we're gonna get sued. Se- it's like top secret class. No, I don't think I've said anything yet that he's gonna get sued. But it's so I, I can't tell you how it's done, like what the strategy is. But pretty much, I googled it and found, <laughs> you know, I just, so it's, Googled, it's I just googled it and found out how quick it works. Google search, you listeners will find everything you need to know. <laughs> yeah, please don't sue us. Don't sue us. Um, and so I've been toying around with that, and it's been great. So okay. um, it's helped you improve your putting, then. Yeah, and I was the cool thing about it was when I implemented the strategy. Yeah, it was incredible to see how well it worked, uh, specifically with my lag putting. Okay, um, it was you know like I I went from you know pushing, pulling or or putting my lag putts ten tw- you know twelve feet past mm-hmm. to having it within the hula hoop. That's what you want. Really nice, and then I've been working a lot on uh, chipping and putting and. Um, Kind of some of the these strategies that I've picked up from the Sweet Spot mm-hmm. podcast with Adam Young and John Sherman, mm-hmm. and uh, specifically with trying to swing left uh, as I'm chipping um, and pitching and stuff like that, and having that kind of it's it's interesting if you get into the minutia of the golf swing as you swing left more that lowers your contact point mm-hmm. uh, on the ball, and a lot of times I end up um, th- uh, thinning. Yeah, either thinning or fatting. I just have mm-hmm. having poor contact. So keeping my head down, swinging a little more left through the ball, um, has helped me make some better contacts around the greens. And so I'm hoping that I can continue to improve my short game to make up for this shoulder pain. This may be a blessing in disguise. It might be because uh, I love Andy and I love his golf game, but his short short game could be improved. Yeah, you know. I f- yeah, specific. I think my putting isn't terrible. No, it's not terrible. Um, but, but there's always I think, room for I think wedges around the green as I struggle. I do too. Okay, my ups and downs this week. I'm going to swing to the it. other side of the spectrum. Great. I had a breakthrough yesterday. Nice. <laughs> Not to put a, a damper on your, uh, hey, <laughs> your shoulder I'm woes. I'm glad one of us had a breakthrough. I went to the range yesterday, and I know for a fact that every golfer can relate to this. I'm trying mm. to get the um, club to, at the top of the backswing to come inside instead of over the top. Mm, trying to get and in the slot. Get in the slot. And it has been grueling to get there. Really? My habit is so bad that, like, I had a lesson recently from Tommy Sharp, and we spent the entire hour on this one thing, and I really? couldn't get it. So my habit is so instinctual that when I take this club back to the top of the backswing, my initial action is I swing my hands and my body at the same time so that my hands come over the top right from the get-go. Right. So now what I'm working on is getting to the top, but letting my hands drop just barely so it gets in the slot, and then it comes from in to out. Mm. And yesterday, I I took some videos, and I would say 90% of my swings came from in to out. First time in my what, life. What was the change? What was the breakthrough? Honestly, I finally have um, had enough discipline, which I don't, to be honest, with my practicing. I've had, had enough discipline to take it super slow at the beginning, where I did a lot of slow, repetitive um correct swings that were like 10% speed right mm. just to get the feel of it right and it was over exaggerated so it's taking the club back letting your hands drop and then come inside out right so kind of a feel versus real exactly type of idea yep 
So I was able to go to the range and um, hit some pretty consistent into out draw shots with with the draw. Mm. And I tell you, man, I haven't had a buzz like that after a driving range session. It's addicting, it right? really is. So I I'm really excited about it. I I mean, we'll see if it translate to the course. I mean, this is just the driving range. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really. Uh, pumped about it because it's Good, taken man. so long to get here that's awesome as a lot of golfers know it's it's really difficult so <clears throat> well and for those of you listening john hits his driver really well thank you sir most of the time um, most of the time most of the time which he i would. mean like if, if you hit it well every time you'd be on the tour It'd be awesome um my hooks yeah driver i hooked the ball that's the next phase. so what i was practicing yesterday was irons mm. um so the next phase is getting my driver to get there which is obviously a lot more difficult right but yeah, should be fun. I think everyone sh- that's listening should know we. The reason why we're putting so much practice in right now, obviously, is because we love golf. But we have the Wasatch Golf Tour coming up. Um, it's that uh, tour we mentioned where we have twelve individuals here in Utah. We've gotten together with legitimate handicaps, and we're going to play in a six-event um, tour season this year. And our first event is coming up in April, April fifteenth. Yes. Down in St. George, Utah, where we're going to have two eighteen-hole rounds. So I think that's part of the reason why this shoulder injury for Andy is so frustrating because in a month or so, hopefully you won't be hurting by then. Yeah, I I am less optimistic yeah. about s- being able to swing without pain. This April. We'll have to see. Yeah. Um, I was, I was going to say quick plug before we wrap up. Quick plug for the next episode, I believe, mm-hmm. that we're going to release. Bonus episode coming up. Uh, bonus episode uh, that discusses uh, a debate that we have at my work, mm-hmm. my place of... It's a good debate. My place of work, yes. it's uh, The debate is, um, are golfers athletes? Dun, dun, dun. Anyway. So look look out for that episode coming in the next couple days. All right, everyone. I'm John Webb. And I'm Andy Proctor. And everything here has been Par for the Course. Have a good week. Hey, all you listeners, thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Par for the Course. If you liked the episode, please give us a good review or a follow on this episode wherever you get your podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much.